0: We're in the series called Go Big. Yeah, we're still in it. (laughs) Uh, Do you know uh, the greatest thing that you can offer God uh, is not your worship. Uh, The greatest thing you can offer God uh, is not fasting. Uh, Do you know the greatest thing that you can offer God is your faith? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our greatest gift to God, get this, is our trust. That, that's our greatest gift, and that's why we've got to go big, because to live small is to rely on your own means. To live small is to look around and see what you have, and and it's to make do with what you have and not reach for something beyond yourself, but to go big is to be dependent on God. To go big is to trust God at another level. For some of us, our trust is at a one level, but I believe God wants us to graduate in our trust. What can God do through somebody who trusts Him? I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, so if you got your phone, maybe you want to open your phone and go there. Uh, in fact, I really encourage you when you come to church to actually write things down. Uh, whether it's take notes on your phone or you know go old school with a pen and paper. As the saying goes, a blunt pencil is better than a sharp mind. Uh, A lot of people think they can remember stuff, but they don't remember stuff. And uh, when it comes to God's Word, it needs to be treasured. If God's speaking to you, it's not like your teacher's speaking to you. It's not like a lecturer speaking to you. If God's speaking to you, you need to tune in and be attentive to what's being said because that's gonna lead, if you listen to it and you obey it, it's gonna lead to life. So Galatians chapter three, verse one, it says, O foolish Galatians, (laughs) what a way to start. O foolish Galatians, who's cast a evil spirit on you or who's bewitched you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So he's saying, It's clear. You know, when it comes to Easter, you know, we celebrate Easter not because it's another holiday, but because it celebrates the the foundation of our faith. If Jesus didn't die and if he didn't rise again, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be forgiven. We wouldn't know what it is to have direct access to God. How many are thankful for the death and resurrection of Jesus? Come on, come on! I really believe we could get a little. Well, I, I believe we need to be more excited than that. Come on! How many are excited for the because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus? <laughs> ah, without that, our preaching is useless. It has no meaning. It goes on. Uh, uh, Paul goes on, and he says, "Let me ask you this one question." your uh, you never say, "Can I ask you a question?" Can I ask you a question tonight? Well, you may not ask them the question, but here's the question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying a set of laws? He goes, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message heard about Christ. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Because you believed Because you trusted in the message about Christ. He goes on verse three. Have you lost your senses after starting this new life in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Is that the reason why God works? Because you're good? He goes, of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Now, in my life, I've had a few medical procedures. Uh, None of them were cosmetic. This is all natural. (laughs) All natural right here. Uh, but I've had medical procedures because I needed some things fixed and and on the inside I've had, uh, in my lifetime I've had a local anesthetic. Uh, how many have been to the dentist before and had their gums numbed? It's not a nice feeling. You know, had it and they do the injection and then they do all the drilling after that. And uh, you come out of the, the dentist, everything's a little bit numb. You bite your, your inside of your mouth if you bite it too hard. You don't feel anything at the time. But once the anesthetic wears off, you know, sometimes the side of your mouth is raw. How many have you done that before? Uh, a few people have done that before. Okay, there's a local anesthetic. Then there's such a thing of being where you're sedated. That's when you have a procedure and you're awake. You're awake, but you, you're a little bit uh, out to it. You know what's going on, but you're not fully aware of what's going on. And so there's a local, there's a, there's a place where you're sedated. And then there's a general anesthetic. That's when you're out. You're out. Uh, if you've ever been into an operating theater, you go in with a small little garment and there's a whole lot of people and, uh, you know, within three seconds of you being out, that little garment's gone. It is gone. But, and you're looking around the room and you're thinking, all these people are going to see me in my glory in a moment. Uh, in my glory. And then they put the, the thing in and, uh, you know, there's times I thought I'm going to count down from 10. Uh, but you don't even get to eight and, and you're out. And then the next minute you wake up in this recovery room and where they're calling your name and go, Mr. Monk, Mr. Monk, are you all right? Are you all right? And I'm going like, oh, I don't even know where I am. And they say, are you in a lot of pain? After uh, several operations I had, which were quite major operations, they said, are you in a lot of pain? And they said, if you're in a lot of pain, push the button. And uh, they put this button in my hand where I'd push it and uh, it would inject morphine into me. And, uh, and uh, they said, if you're in a lot of pain, just push the button. And I went, <laughs> and they said, Mr. Monk, it's on a timer. Because if that amount of uh, stuff went into you, you'd be dead by now. And, uh, you know, there, there's this whole procedure where uh, uh, anesthetic, uh, you know, I'm thank, I thank God for anesthetics. Because I didn't want to be awake for that operation. You know, I didn't want to be awake before the scalpel. In fact, they cut me open from here to here. All my guts were out on the table. And uh, <laughs> thanks, Josh, for that reaction. Um, I don't want to be awake for that. They did the operation. You know, I woke up. I had staples right down, uh, right down uh, my stomach from there. And, uh, but I don't want to be awake. So I'm very thankful for, for, for general anesthetics. But, but what an anesthetic is, it's a, a reversible loss of sensation. See, there's a numbing that takes place, but eventually your senses come back to you. And, and Paul is saying to the Galatians, he's saying, hey, who's anesthetized you? Who, who's caused you to lose your senses? See, see, we can be in an environment like this, worship is taking place, we're singing the lyrics of a song, but, but nothing's engaged in our spirit. There's no element of trust. You know, without trust, the relationship is like a car with no gas. You know, you can be in it, but you're going nowhere. Trust is the foundation of any relationship, and that's why it's so important that we graduate in our trust. Because when we graduate in our trust, we grow in our relationship with God. Question I want to ask you today is, have you lost your senses? Uh Some people go, I'm not feeling it. Well, Where have you been anaesthetized? Where are you numb right now? Because God can be working all around you and you can miss it. God can be working a miracle on the person right next to you. And you could be sitting there thinking, what's for dinner? Just because you have something all around you doesn't mean you're accessing it. Quickly tonight, I just want to give you three ways that we know when we're losing our senses. Three ways. Okay. Three ways we know we're losing our senses is number one is when we're guided by minimum requirements. When we're guided by minimum requirements. It's, It's like, oh, well, I've got to do this. You know, it's like, you know, we approach God like school. Oh, I have to go to school. You know, I have to read my Bible, and we do it out of duty. We relate to God out of obligation. You know, it's, it's like you know, if Kathy said, "Come on, let's go out for a night out. Let's let, let's go out to a restaurant." Oh, I'll do it because I'm your husband. Imagine that. But but that's sometimes how we relate with God. I'll do it all because I have to. We do it out of obligation. You know, some people, you know, in church and and they go, well, I don't want to be all in on this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a little bit too much. Uh, You know, I don't want to give my full life to this. I I want to do life my way, but I I, I want to experience God. I want to know God when I, I need Him, but but none of this all in stuff. I really believe God is looking right now for a generation of people who are prepared to die for the cause of Christ. Some people are going, that's extreme. Well, God went to extreme lengths for you and I. And this is the greatest message on the face of the earth. And the Christian message only works from a premise of being all in. You want to stuff up your Christian life? Be half-hearted in it. Dip your toe in and dip your toe out. You know, it works off, off the thing where we're, we're all in, and that's where many people come into church and go, well, you know, uh, what's the minimum I can do and still call myself a Christian? How far is too far? You know, how far can I go and not fall off the edge? If you're asking yourself that question, you've already lost your senses. Because the whole gospel message is not about you running away from your old life. God God is not about chasing you out of your old life. He's about drawing you into a new life. And too many people, you know, it's like, I'll follow God because I'm scared. I don't want those bad stuff in my past. But they don't realize the good things that God's got for them in their future. Come on, God's got an amazing future for each and every person in this room. And and, and it's when we see it, if you saw God right now in His fullness, you'd be drawn towards Him. You wouldn't even be concerned about the the edges. So, you know, people who who dwell on the edges, they're living from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. The heart of the gospel is not about the edges, it's about being drawn into the center. And people who live by minimum requirements are all about the edges. And that's where they come, they, they may be in church, but, but they're not feeling anything. Yeah, you know, if you can sit in a place where God's working and God's moving and not feeling anything, you're in a dangerous place. You know, you're in a dangerous place when, when you, you hear an altar call uh, for salvation and, and go, oh, I wish they'd hurry up and finish. You're in a dangerous place. Why are you in a dangerous place? Because it's like you've lost sight of the impact of the gospel. You no longer treasure it and value it in your own life. And and so when somebody else receives it, oh, well, it's just another person. But heaven, how heaven views it is when one person gives their heart to God, all of heaven throws a party. Come on, come on, five people out west this morning gave their hearts to Jesus. Come on, there's a big party going on. In our youth hubs around the city on Friday night. Every Friday night, somebody somewhere is giving their heart to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm excited by that. Because I know what the power of the Gospel has done in my life, and I want other people to encounter it. I love what Psalm 100 says. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. That's right, a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. It doesn't say serve Him with madness, but serve Him with gladness. Yeah, you know, God doesn't want you serving Him because you have to, because you're told to. Hey, at Equipus Church, we say nobody has to do anything, because you're not doing a God a favor by serving Him, because what you've got to understand is God doesn't rule by rules, How God rules the earth is through relationship. You need to listen to me now. Uh, Rules require obedience only. But relationship requires there to be a willingness. You know, if I just did some stuff because I'm going to obey, the relationship doesn't progress. The relationship doesn't move forward. You know, I'll clean the house because I have to. You know, but how many know if I, I want to grow and, and well develop a relationship and, and take my relationship to another level with Kathy? You know, it, it means I, I willingly do stuff. Yeah. Right. All the good things in your life are not there because you've obeyed a set of rules. You know, I, there's many people who come to God and, and they're doing things. Oh, well, I have to read my Bible. I have to do this. You know, it's a danger if I ever get to a place where, man, I have to preach. Yeah, no, I get to preach. I get to serve. I get to be in the house of God. I get to do this. And and we often use this expression in leadership when I'm talking to pastors, but I think this is critical for every person to understand is that when it comes to God, God's more into digging wells than he is building fences. He's into digging wells more than he is building fences. In the outback, how do they keep cattle together? You can't put fences in. You know, what they've got to do to keep cattle together is they dig a well. And the cattle won't stray too far from that well because if they go too far, that they will be cut off from the very thing that they need. And so as long as there's a well there, people are going to get, or well, cattle are going to gather around that well. And how God works is He He. he 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 digs a well and He says, here's life. Here's what you need. You know, come into relationship with this. But so many people view their relationship like God's, you know, got fences around me. You know, how far can I go before I'm out? But, But God will let you wander until you get to a place where you're so thirsty that you have to come back. To the wow. See, in Revelation chapter 3, um, it, here, uh, God's speaking to a group of churches and he says, Write this letter to an angel to the church of Siddhis. It says, This is the message, the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Here, listen to what God is saying, Jesus is saying to this church. I say, he says, I know all the things you do, you have a reputation for being alive but you're dead. Well, I I hope that's never said to us. You have a reputation for jumping up and down, for having a live music, but on the inside, you're dead. He says, wake up, strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. He goes, I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Go back to the foundation of of your faith. Hold to it firmly, repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I'll come to you suddenly as an unexpected thief. How many know waking up can be hard? You ever had afternoon sleep and gone into a deep sleep? And then woken up, some of you are still waking up from that. It's like, man, that, that can be hard, waking up from that. But he is what God's saying. He says, "If you don't wake up, I'm going to suddenly come and give you a fright." You know, we need to wake up. When you wake up with a fright, you're disorientated. You know, waking up from surgery is like, "Oh, where the heck am I? What's going on? What's going on?" But but here's the thing: I really feel like in this place there there needs to be alertness in our spirit to what God's doing right now. Not not just the programs of church. Not not just the meetings of church. Not just the rosters of church. Because yes, they're important, but you can do all those things and still be asleep. You can do all those things and 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 not be alive and alert. And just be guided by minimum requirements, by behavior. We lose our senses when we're guided by minimum behaviours. Number two, I need to keep moving. Is We lose our senses when we don't continue in what we've started. Now Let's go back to Galatians again. After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you trying to become perfect in your own own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Some of us are just too hard on ourselves. And yeah, we want to see changes, but we're beating ourselves up. We think we should be further on. But we're trying to do it in our own strength rather than relying on God. One thing I've found is a lot of people can have a stop-start relationship with God. It's like a lot of Christians get whiplash (laughs) because their relationship is stop-start. I remember um, back in the day, my first car was a Morris Minor 1000. It had an 800cc motor. Top speed was 80Ks. And even then, it's, it you know, was shuddering. It, it was. Uh, but back in the day, uh, I, cars weren't as reliable as what they are today. It wasn't uncommon to see people pushing cars. You know, in fact, you'd see it all the time. Cars being pushed through lights, cars breaking down. Today, the technology out there, the mechanics out there, are a lot more reliable than what they used to be. And and there was times where my Morris Minor would break down and the people who were traveling with me would have to push it. Now, it was a tank. It was a heavy car. And so pushing that thing was a mission. And you put your hands on it and you start pushing it. But once you got it moving, you didn't want it to stop because it was harder to get it moving than to keep it moving. I want to say that same principle applies with your life. Some people find it hard in their walk with God because they're stop-start in their relationship with God. They, they come to church every now and then. They, they read their Bible every now and then. It's a, and they have a stop-start, whiplash experience with God. And what you've got to understand, it's harder to get something moving than it is to keep it moving. And if you started this life off in the Spirit, why go back to old ways of doing things? That's what He's saying. He's saying, you need to recognise how far you've come. You may not be where you want to be, but you're further on than you used to be. And and right now, I I just think, you know, God is looking for a a group of people who are responsive to His voice. Some of you, you you've settled, you've been around church for a long time, and, and you've settled with a normality when it comes to church, when it comes to your relationship with God. And it's almost like you're stuck. The two questions you need to ask yourself when you're stuck is, number one, what was the last thing God told you to do? What was the last time when you're in tune with His voice, what was the last thing God told you to do? That's the first question. The second question you need to ask yourself is, have you done it yet? Because if you haven't done it, you're just gonna go around the mountain. And the more you go around the mountain, you're gonna you're less likely to remember what God said. So you can keep your plan to disobey God, but let's make sure that we don't look for other people to validate our disobedience. Uh, People like that remind me of Jonah. You know, they're on the run from the last thing that God told them to do. And what they do is they board somebody else's ship like Jonah did. And what happened is the whole ship suffers. I wanna say, don't be surprised when you decide to run from God, you end up going to a lower place than what you thought you'd go. And I'm just talking about obeying His voice because it's our trust that grows our relationships. By the way, when the sailors found out that He was a fugitive and that he, that he was the cause of the storm, they made a bad call and instead of throwing Him overboard, they tried to roll Him out of trouble and things got worse. I wanna say, there's some things that you can't do for your friend. Don't validate their disobedience. And so the second thing we know when we've lost our senses is we don't continue in what was started in the third way. Number three, and if we could have the musicians up, is we lock lock success into a formula. If I do this and do this and do this, I'm gonna have a successful life. You know, people, you know, you you probably got kids in your class, school, or you know of people. It's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to have a successful, happy life. I want to say the greatest adventure that you can live in life is the God adventure. And I've found the God adventure is predictably unpredictable. It's unpredictable. How many know when it comes to a movie, if you can predict the end at the start, you tune out? It's like, I already know what's gonna happen. And then you ruin it for everyone else because you know what's gonna happen. The reason why you, you engage with the movie is it's got some twists, it's got some turns and it keeps you engaged. And that's why our relationship with God and our destiny is like, hey, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's gonna be good. I don't know what's going on, but God's gonna turn this around. I don't know. And, and that keeps you engaged. You know, you and I are wired for an adventure. And God wants to take us on an adventure. I like what God said to Abram. He said, I swear, get this, I swear I'm going to bless you. Why would he need to swear he was going to bless him? You know, he made a covenant or a contract. You know, think about this. Why do we make promises? Why do we take oaths? We do it because we wanna make sure what they're saying is true. And here God says, I swear, I'm gonna bless you, Abram." You know, When you have a contract, you feel safe, you feel confident, because if there's a dispute or a disagreement, you can go back to the contract and you go, it's in the contract, it's in writing. In fact, if you're unsure of anything, you say, put it in writing. Listen to this. God said, I swear I'm gonna bless you. Why did He need to say that? You need to say it because, as am saying, because sometimes it's gonna look like I'm gonna kill you. Sometimes it's gonna look contrary, but I swear I'm gonna bless you. Sometimes it's gonna look like I'm a liar, but I'm gonna bless you. Sometimes it's gonna look like serving doesn't work. Sometimes it's going to look like trusting me didn't pay off. Sometimes it's going to look like you're going backwards rather than going forwards. Sometimes it's going to look like you're worse off than you were before. But I swear, by the end of this movie, when time's done, I'm going to bless you. It's going to work out for God. Good. But you've got to trust God. And what He desires more than anything else is our trust. You can be sitting in a meeting like this. Yeah, I trust God. But how's that been actioned? On a daily basis. See, to trust God with the promise is to trust God in the process. And I'll come back to these words. These words. Doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian one day or 30 years. Come on, these words. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? Surely this was not just a show. I'll ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the Lord, because of your own human effort? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Again, to trust God is to recognise Nothing is too hard for God. Genesis 18, 14, 14, is anything too hard for God? Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Come on, I want us to say those words out loud right now. Everybody read them on the count of three. One, two, three, four. Come on, you need to hear that. But it's trust that activates that. Mark ten, twenty seven. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for God for with God all things are possible. Go big. Twenty twenty two. Let's go big. Not small. Let's go big in Jesus' name.